For a huge segment of the world's population, life is hard. Whether it's circumstances, mental health, finances, food insecurity, sickness, relationships, work, lockdown, you'll find very, very few people who say that life is easy. And for those who do say that life is easy or life comes easy for them, the rest of us question if they've maybe taken a bit of a vacation from reality. A life is hard. And not only is life hard, but for people who believe in Jesus, somehow the idea that we should have faith can often make us feel worse about everything and not better. Because we feel that we've failed at faith. Like we've not trusted God enough in the hard times. If we believed like we should have, then we would feel better. If we truly believed, then we would have that miracle that we were longing for. Then we'd have that answer to prayer. And life wouldn't be as bad. So for the person who's trying to faithfully follow God, not only are they facing the reality that life is hard, but they're also um, fighting the sense of failure that life is hard because they're not faithful enough. So this thing called faith that should bring us comfort as Christians instead ends up being weaponized against us and ends up making us feel worse. And this can uh, lead to a massive conflict inside and has led many Christians to walking away from Jesus because then at least they reason they're only dealing with life being hard and they're not having to deal with this extra stress of uh, having failed at faith. Now, Martin Luther was a monk in the 1500s who wrestled with the idea of living by faith, because his idea of living by faith never brought him peace. He was never good enough. That is, until he read these words in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the righteous will live by faith. And something clicked inside Luther's mind and heart. And later on, when he was reflecting on this moment that freed him, he said this. He said, I realized for the first time that my own justification depends not on my own righteousness, which will always fall short, but it rests solely and completely on the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which I must hold on to by trusting faith. Luther, in this moment... He discovered uh, what living by faith meant, and it meant uh, trusting God, trusting God. The righteous will live by faith. And this realization for Luther was like a nuclear bomb of deep peace exploding through his, his heart and throughout his life. And friends, the same is for us. If we, it's, it's only when we understand uh, the beauty and the grace of being right with God through faith in Jesus that we can be liberated from the chains of never making the grade. So this morning, let's look at living by faith. Now, last week I said that any faith that we have is based on God being faithful first. He was faithful first. And as we trust in God's faithfulness, this faith is the basis of our relationship with God, living by faith. Romans chapter 4 verse 2 says this, um, if in fact, uh, Romans chapter 2, yeah, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. 
What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. And so God sees our faith in him, and even though we are ungodly, unrighteous, he declares us righteous. This is the start of living by faith. And then Paul repeats this uh, theme in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, where he says this, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Here it is, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Living by faith means that it's a level playing field for all of us. There's no one who has the advantage over another when it comes to being righteous in God's eyes because our righteousness comes from God himself and is based on faith in Jesus. Without Jesus, all that we have is our own righteousness, which we know is absolute rubbish and not worth the paper it's written on. But through, but through faith in Jesus, we have a VIP access all areas pass to all of God. So what about you? Are you trusting in your own righteousness or are you living by faith? Through Jesus, are you daily accessing all that God has for you? Do you know his power and strength and forgiveness and presence and hope and joy and peace? Notice there, I, did, I said nothing about being perfect. But do you know all these things which empower us to endure the hardships of life? This is a good time for me to uh, introduce my friends, um, Jeff and Julie. They are legit living by faith. And it's not easy. They're actually going through a really tough time. But I want you to listen very carefully to their words and to hear those themes of faith and hope, even during the shadow seasons of life. Good morning, Jeff and Julie. Nice to see you. Hi. Hi. Uh, Maybe you could um, start with uh, just sharing with us uh, what's going on in your guys' life at the moment. Okay, so we have a daughter. Her name is Lily. Uh, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, it was cancer uh, when she was five months old. She's now three and a half. And this past year, um, she started having some really severe seizures. And she started losing her ability to talk, losing her words, um, starting to hurt herself uh, during these seizures. And 
we're now facing a huge surgery in Toronto where they're actually going to cut her brain in half and disconnect and detach half of it to stop the seizures from spreading from the um, unhealthy tissue that is causing it to the healthy side. So it's been really tough on us. I've been, I've been battling some depression and anxiety because of it. And, you know, God has really seen me through that and I'm starting to get much better. And um, we're looking at a surgery date right now of February 4th for Lily. And um, yeah, there's a lot of anxiety around it, but there's, it's also, there's also a lot of hope. It is a, a, a test of faith and we have a lot of questions, a lot of doubts, um, not just in the spiritual realm, but in the actual physical, you know, um, outcomes of what, what will happen for Lily. So it's very trying, but at the same time, we both feel that God is with us. We, we know that no matter what the outcome is, that we have to be thankful for, for the opportunities that we've had to help Lily. Let me ask you uh, this, you know, you know, you mentioned that you know that God is with you. Um, how do you know that he's with you? Like, what does that look like, uh, Jeff or Julie? For me, it started, I mean, I've always known God in my life in various ways. Um, but for me, when it comes to our journey with Lily, it was in the darkest moments, whether it was you know, shortly after her diagnosis three years ago, or since then, in our darkest moments, when I've asked, where is God? Why is this happening? Where are you, Lord? And the answer, clears, it clears could be after her diagnosis came back, I am right here. And knowing that that uh, comfort was there ultimately was was both helpful at the time and and definitely you know a a stepping stone for me maybe i'll i'll hand this over to you julie um so what's that journey been like for you looking at the past it's it's easier to see god it's easier to see times where prayers have been answered and his presence has clearly been there. Looking at the future, it's almost a little scarier. It's a little scarier to have faith. And I think that just comes for me from needing to be okay with a whatever outcome, which, you know, if I really look deep inside, I'm not okay with. I'm not okay with whatever happens. But I do know that whatever happens, God is still going to be there with us and that his plan is good and his love is pure and, and we can count on his promises. Um, and I experience a lot of God through worship where, you know, I have all these worries, but those worries can go away with worship. 
So sometimes when my anxiety is at its worst and I'm feeling at my lowest, the one thing that can pull me back up is worshiping God and knowing how he is good and how he loves us and how there is some sort of bigger, grander plan that we don't see. Um, You know, and some days it's easier than others, you know, and I've had to accept my doubts as, as part of my faith. But he's always there and that we can feel and that we can know. And it's hard to truly put into words. But when you stop complicating it and you sit in the silence you go to lean on God, he's there. I've often said that the, the things that have helped me the most through our journey with Lily's health and complications um, have been prayer, prayers from friends, things that people posted on Facebook, um, and, and other, you know, private messages, direct messages where people were helping to reassure us in our faith. And even doing this today is an indication for me that our faith is not misplaced. That it, there, we may have doubts at times, but there is, this is, this is God's hand at work for us. And you're all, all of you, the entire church has been so supportive and we can't ask anything more than just to keep us in your prayers and to be there for us because this journey is going to be a, a, a rough sea. We have a rough sea ahead of us, mm. but we know you're with us. We know that God is with us and we are grateful. When you're in a place like Jeff and Julie and by faith you're holding on to God, that faith is counted as righteousness. And this faith enables you to endure the questions that arise and it frees you to say along with Julie, um, God, as things are right now, I want you to know that I'm not okay with whatever happens. But then, um, but I'm holding on to you regardless. And so I thank God for people in my life like Jeff and Julie who show what a faith forged in fire looks like, who expose the shallowness of my own faith and who spur us on to greater faith and to love and to good works, as I said last week. But we need to be praying for Jeff and Julie and Lily. We need to redouble our prayers. Um, And we also need, especially in this season, to be reaching out to each other and looking out for each other, ringing each other, um, sending texts, texts uh, intentionally setting up ways that we can connect with each other. But, um, and I think that the reason is because we operate under a wrong idea that the faithful are the ones who are strong. No, the faithful are the ones who are weak and who know they are weak. We think that the faithful walk around flexing their muscles. No, the faithful are the ones whose strength has failed them and they're leaning the heaviest on Jesus Christ. 
I um, made a playlist on Spotify uh, to accompany this message series on faith. And the lyrics of one of the songs uh, is a song by Andrew Peterson. And, uh, and the lyrics say this. It says, well, it's so hard to know what you're doing. Why won't you tell it all plain? But you said you'd come back on the third day and Peter missed it again and again. So maybe the answer surrounds us, but we don't have eyes to see that you're always good. Always good. This heartache is moving me closer than joy ever could. And you're always good. My God, my God, be near me. There's nowhere else to go. So what does faith look like? I think that faith looks like this song. I think it looks like Sharon sharing last week. I think it looks like Jeff and Julie sharing this morning. It's not brass bands and triumphalism. It's holding on to Jesus through prayer and community and reading the Bible and worship. And that's why we have Church 414, because I know that we're rubbish when we're alone, that we need each other because we need the Jesus who indwells the other, and we need the Holy Spirit that comes from the other, and we need the image of God that the other reflects. Listen to these words in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 2. Sorry, 1 Thessalonians 1. Verse 2, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the life of friends. This is the life of faith, friends. Yes, there is work. There is work. There is activity, there are things getting done, but it's produced by faith. Faith doesn't mean sitting around and doing nothing and waiting for God to magic something into being. There is work, but it's produced by faith. Work produced by faith says, God, I see you revealed in the, in the scripture. And as I absorb your truth and your revelation from the Bible, as I apply it to my life, it tells me what to do next. It informs how I should live my life. This is work produced by faith. And next, Paul talks about labor prompted by love. Labor prompted by love. Now, labor here refers to toil or struggle or hardship. It means doing something difficult. Yes, it's the right thing, but it's hard. And here Paul is saying that if we are to struggle in our labor for God, then let love, let agape, let God's divine love be our prompt, our nudge. It means listening to the voice of the Spirit and allowing him to move your heart, to, to, to uh, change you, to whisper into your mind, here's what I want you to do. And because of God's love in you and because of your love for God, you do it. So work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and lastly, endurance inspired by hope. Now, this does not mean putting on a brave face and enduring. This is endurance that taps into resources beyond itself. This is the hope of uh, Romans chapter 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the hope that we're talking about it's a it's it's a it's a hope which overflows by the power of the holy uh, 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 by the power of the holy spirit that comes from the god of hope 
that's connected with joy and peace. And so, friends, we don't just need to work and labor and endure. This is not our destiny or our fate. We don't just have to work or labor or endure. You know, on, our, on their own, those three words exhaust me. They, they drain me. I don't just want to work. I don't just want to labor. I, just, I don't just want to endure. What about you? Are you okay with this? Because outside of Jesus, this is what we have to look forward to. And there are too many of us who are simply working, who are simply laboring, and who are simply enduring. But in Christ, in Christ, we have work produced by faith. We have labor uh, prompted by love, and we have endurance inspired by hope. We have work produced by faith. Uh, Work is now transformed. It looks completely different. And labor is transformed. It looks completely different because it's prompted by love. And endurance looks completely different. It's a different animal because it's inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, right? This is the basis of all of this. It's got to be in Christ. And this is what the life of faith looks like. It takes the raw material of work and labor and endurance and it it infuses it with purpose and meaning and power and glory with, with faith and with love and with hope. I really hope that some of you this week start m- memorizing First uh, Thessalonians 1 verse 3. We, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. Oh Jesus, would you make us these people who through faith take the raw materials of, this, of the struggles of this life and through the divine alchemy of faith, love, and hope, allow you to transform them into gold. When we look at this life of faith, we remember that this life is founded, it has its foundation on the faithfulness of God. As uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 7 says, um, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. And so here we see that God reveals his righteousness in the gospel. Um, It's the gospel that says that the holy and righteous son of God took our place on the cross and has imputed or transferred his righteousness to us. And the mechanism that we receive it is faith. And so by faith, we accept the verdict that in Jesus, God declares us righteous in his own eyes. Yes, it doesn't make any sense, but by faith, we appropriate it to ourselves. And so faith is what starts off the journey and faith is what will, what will bring us home. As the hymn says, it's righteousness by faith from first to last. And so we choose to start by faith and we continue by faith and we end by faith. And this, this makes us righteous. Hallelujah. It's not our work or strivings or effort. It's the opposite. It's faith. It's simple trust in Jesus. And it's the work of Jesus on the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit living in us that supernaturally enables us to do work produced by faith, to labor prompted by love and to endure inspired by our hope in Jesus. So friends, if you've never trusted Jesus, if you've never had your Martin Luther moment where you realize that you cannot earn God's salvation, you can only receive it as a gift of grace through faith. If you've never done that, then reach out to God. 
Confess your sin and your faithlessness and turn to him and you will be saved by faith. Um, And that moment you'll start to live a new life in Christ. And friends, if you've already started living by faith, ask yourself this. Am I living by faith? Or have my faith muscles atrophied? Are they weak and floppy through lack of use? Have I reverted to doing things in my own effort? You see, even though uh, works cannot lead to faith, works come from faith. And the muscle of faith is exercised through works of faith, through doing acts of God in faith. Works aren't something to be afraid of. Works, if they're inspired by faith, hope, and love, are to be embraced and gratefully received and lived out. Works of faith, actions of faith, are anything that moves uh, your faith from the internal to the external. Works or actions or deeds, if we're honest, are the only way for anyone to see this faith that is within us because no one has x-ray vision. So as you do the work of sharing your story in faith, your story or your faith relocates from being an internal reality to an external reality. And it suddenly becomes something, once it's out here, it can encourage others. When it's in here, it can do nothing. But once it's out there, it can encourage others. And as you do the work, for example, of helping someone out financially in faith, then the money that previously existed for only your 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 benefit is now uh, being used for the encouragement of others and the glory of God. And as you do the work of sitting down with someone and, and listening actively in faith, you can draw their story out from them so that what was purely internal within them is now out there. It's now external. It's shared between you both. And you are both in, encouraged as you borrow and lend from each other's libraries of faith. So what the type of work of faith is, it doesn't really matter. The key question is, is it work produced by faith? Is it labor prompted by love? Is it endurance inspired by hope in Jesus? And so this morning, I want to leave you with an idea, with a thought. What about this as a work of faith? You go into the post office where all the mailboxes are, each with their, with, their, with their PO box number. And you pray, not with your hands up because, you know, you aren't a pastor who's, who's preaching. You probably have your eyes open. You just say, Lord, um, I don't know who the boxes belong to, but who do you want me to encourage? And in faith, you prayerfully choose a mailbox number. And you go home and you write a card saying whatever God prompts you to say. Maybe it's, I don't know who you are, but God prompted me to pray for you today. Or here's a hundred bucks that God told me to give you. Or here's a bit of my faith story. If you want to hear more, here's my contact information. Or here's a picture drawn by my kids with their favorite Bible verse. You know, can you imagine being in the house that receives a letter or a card from someone that you don't know with a handwritten note or a prayer or a $50 bill or a child's favorite verse? And and can you imagine being that person receiving that? Um, Maybe you're 
struggling with depression or you're lonely or you're struggling to make ends meet or you're suicidal or you're just in need of, of, of an encouraging word and one drops as if it were from heaven. Friends, this is a simple way that we can live by faith. It costs us nothing except for the cost of a card and whatever we choose to put in it. And so that's my challenge to you this week. Go to the post office, prayerfully choose the PO box number, and in faith, send them a card. There's no rules as to what goes in it. You, you, you can share your contact information with them if you want or not. And in that, but, but in that moment of faith, you're inviting God to do something incredible through you and beyond you because God knows them. He knows what they're going through. You have no idea. You know, the life of faith is not complicated. It's trusting God. It's being led by him and allowing him to turn a life of work, labor, and endurance into a life of work produced by faith and labor prompted by love and endurance inspired by hope. So as you meet in your church 414 groups this week or as you meet around the lunch, lunch table after this service with your family or with your significant other or just by yourself, here are some conversation starters for you. What did the Holy Spirit say to you through Jeff and Julie's testimony or through Dan's message? Number two, how is God calling you to live by faith? Number three, read 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 and ask yourselves what work, labor, or endurance look like without faith, hope, and love. Look at the verbs produced, prompted, and inspired. Why are these so vital? And the last question, my favorite, is this. Go to your local post office and choose a PO box. Remember the box number. Write a card to them at home as, as the Lord leads you, including in that card whatever the Spirit prompts you to. Uh, put a stamp on that card and mail it to the occupants um, with the PO box number and the address. Include your contact info or not. Uh, it's, it's up to you and pray for the recipient. And then tell your church 414 group when you've done it. <laughs>